Bitcoin, crypto, and batchable computing, could they be the keys to scaling the renewables sector? I sit down with experts to discuss the path to making renewables the primary, most affordable energy source. Welcome to Season 2 of Clean Integration, a Saluna podcast. I'm John Belazier, CEO of Saluna, and your host. First, let me introduce my guest. Ben's passion for boating started from a young age. He grew up spending summers in upstate New York on Lake George, learning about boats and engines. He studied mechanical and aerospace engineering at Princeton University, where he first started working on building an all-electric outboard motor. But it was after Ben gained experience working on batteries at Tesla and designed electric propulsion systems for the Office of Naval Research that he decided to start Flux Marine to bring electric boat motors to the market. Today, we're talking about the problems with traditional boating, electrification as a solution, and what this could mean for the future of energy and our environment. I'm actually quite excited because this takes us beyond the grid to all the ancillary aspects of of the electrical infrastructure. Ben, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, John. It's a pleasure to be here. Glad to to have you on. You know, we've been so far in this series, uh, in this season, we've been talking a lot about grid infrastructure, taking the grid through the transition from uh, fossil fuels to green energy. And we talk a lot about the, the, the power generation and the challenges that they have, but we don't talk much about all the different things uh, that use energy and uh, that may or may not be using green energy today when you look at the larger ecosystem. So it's pretty exciting to be talking to you today. Um, I want to start a little bit of with your entrepreneurial background. Is this your first venture? This is indeed my first, I guess what you might call an official venture. I can yeah. say growing yeah. up, I tried a couple small different things between shops and selling study guides, but I'd say this is my first big venture. Cool. So you've always had a little bit of, of that in, in you. Um, did being at Tesla kind of help shape that? Did Did that sort of drive your your interest in starting your own venture? I think the interest in starting my own venture and my passion for Marine existed far before my time at Tesla. Mm-hmm. I think what Tesla and my experience there really helped with was getting involved firsthand with the newer electrification technologies that were making their way through the Marine industry mm-hmm. and put me in a mind mindset of seeing how Tesla approached engineering problems and then using a similar mindset as I looked at the marine industry. And what was it like working there, by the way? It was great. It was super high-paced. There were a lot of really smart people. We were always pushing the boundaries of technology, um, always looking for opportunities to speed up processes, speed up technology, make things Mm -hmm. more efficient and safer. So for me, it was a great way to do a lot of different things in a short period of time while also making significant contributions and learning quite a bit. So you studied mechanical aerospace engineering at uh, Princeton and, you know, through this sort of research and your experience at Tesla, you launch into Flex Marine. Kind of take us through that like moment where 
you know, you realize this is a, this is a venture opportunity. Absolutely. And so I grew up spending every summer in upstate New York on Lake George boating. And mm-hmm. I loved so much about boating, but it was always tough to come to terms with the environmental impact of boating and the constant reliability and, and maintenance mm-hmm. um, associated with boating. So I always kind of grew up thinking there's got to be a better, faster, more efficient and safer way to go boating. And mm-hmm. in 2015, when I was studying at Princeton, there was a hydrogen fuel cell in one of my labs. And that got me thinking, could we use this as a power source to move boats? So I yeah. connected with a professor, um, Dr. Dan Steingart, and he suggested that I look, take a look at batteries first. Dan is mm-hmm. you know, probably one of the foremost battery professors in the world. And so 2015, I spent that summer in Dan's lab piecing together a very rudimentary electric outboard system with lithium ion batteries. Um, It was more powerful than what you could buy off the shelves, but it wasn't significant by any standpoint. Mm -hmm. And then that summer I I brought that around in upstate New York on Lake George and in Vermont, um, showing it off to a couple people. Mm -hmm. And the response was overwhelming. And people said, could I buy this? Is this for sale? When will something like this be available? And I think it was in that moment I realized that this could truly become something to change the industry. That's awesome. And then how did you make that transition from, uh oh, there might be an idea here to forming a company? Did you do it by yourself? Did you have a, do you have a co-founder? Tell us about that. So that there was a lot of support at Princeton during that time. So mm-hmm. the research started in 2015. Um, the company itself started around 2018 and everything was, we all went full time in 2020, but I mm-hmm. spent a lot of time learning um, about entrepreneurship at Princeton. They had mm-hmm. the Keller center for entrepreneurial activity. So I'd sit in on classes. I'd uh, ask mentors questions. I did a lot of research. Um, I joined my, my co-founders joined me shortly after um, my best friend that I grew up with. Dalen Franton was studying finance at Boston University. So he was learning a lot at Boston and brought that in. And we were all learning different things. And the third co-founder there was John Lord, also from Princeton. And so we spent time just researching and understanding and asking questions and started formulating a business plan and kind of slowly evolved this into this can be a real serious company. This is the path we need to take to move forward. Mm-hmm. And as the technology matured and as the industry started to mature, everything was perfect in the beginning of 2020 to go full time. Of course, the decision to go full time and all leave our corporate jobs happened about mm-hmm. two weeks before the world shut down. Right, right. Fascinating. And you, you did you guys continue sort of working on it during lockdown and, and, and shape the business? Absolutely. I'd say that's when most of the work got done. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's amazing when you lock people down and you take so many things away where people shift their focus. And for us, it was the focus was entirely on <clears throat> how do we take this time to emerge from COVID and the lockdown with as much progress as possible. And so we at that point, we were really working out of a garage um, in Rhode Island. 
with minimal funding, bootstrapped, some grants here, some grants there. Mm-hmm. But we really grinded that entire time, had a couple prototypes out with a couple early customers. And mm-hmm. that really set us up for kind of the future growth and expansion. And then we started scaling the team at the end of 2020. Um, and since then, you know, we've grown from three people in a garage to over a dozen employees at a marina office. And this next stage, we're about to, you know, triple, quadruple the team again. Wow. Fantastic. And congratulations. I, I also know, you know, we're recording just after you've closed your uh, Series A financing. Yes. Yes. It's extremely exciting. And I feel so grateful to be able to kind of broadcast with the world that we did just close on over $15 million for our Series A financing, which was led by Ocean Zero um, and had participation from a lot of other exciting angel investors and venture fund firms. Fantastic. Well, again, congratulations. And uh, I wish you the best of luck uh, on this journey. There's going to be lot, lots of ups and downs. It's a bit of a roller coaster, I will tell you, after 20 years of doing it myself. So um, maybe or more like riding a boat, <laughs> lots of waves, <laughs> up, waves down. Let's talk about some of, some, some of the um, uh, technical challenges you guys had to kind of, cr- you know, crack, right? you know, being a mm-hmm. software person is cracking code, you know, when you're building real things, right, is probably cracking all sorts of engineering challenges. Tell us a bit about, you know, you know, by way of example, you know, at Saluna, we had to solve for thermodynamics in our buildings, you know, we have facilities that are built out in remote areas, some of them are hot, some of them are cold. And we have to think through how you move lots and lots of air through a building at certain velocity and so forth and we had to crack code that way what's the equivalent in 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 you know transforming the uh engine design for a boat what are some of the things you guys had to had to figure out i'd say one of the biggest things that we had to figure out is meeting the operational challenges of boats hmm one train of thought for you know let's electrify things other than cars is to take components from cars and drop them into everything else. Mm-hmm. And if you take a motor and a battery from a car and put it in a boat, it functions, but it doesn't work super well. Reason being is if you look at a motor and a battery that's in an electric car, that system is designed to be able to provide a lot of power under acceleration. Mm-hmm. And then once you're actually going on the highway, you use not even maybe a tenth of that power. You're overcoming rolling res- rolling resistance and aerodynamic drag, or what you're overcoming at those speeds. Right. But you now you look at a boat. When a boat is up and going continuously, you're displacing water, which is about a thousand times denser than air. So you need a lot of power a lot of the time. And so we really needed to ensure that we were developing a propulsion system with motors and controllers and batteries that were very well suited for those high continuous operational loads. And that itself too, similar to what you had, it was also a thermodynamics problem. Mm. It was a lot of heat management and thermal management. And then there was the general challenge of no matter how you look at it, the best batteries are still 50 times less energy dense than gasoline. So what could we do throughout the system to make up for that? And so there was a constant focus on efficiency 
what can we do to ensure that we take the electrical and chemical energy that's stored in the batteries and translate that into forward momentum of the boat in as efficient a way as possible? That's fantastic. Yeah, I'm always fascinated because, you know, new technology, new in- new innovative companies are always based on solving one key or one big or series of challenges, right? And once you crack those, you've got potentially a business, you know, but so mm-hmm. um, I want to I want to zoom out a bit and start talking about just the role of you know the marine industry in electricity and in energy, right? Um, your mission from your website is you know build a better boating experience, and I, I want to sort of dive into that experience a bit more. If you just look at the outboard motor, the battery charging, and so forth, um, I want to think about this for a second, but you know, how long does the battery last? Uh, what's the charging process like? Do I save a lot of money, you know, buying a electric boat motor versus a gasoline powered one? How would, how would one think about that? And how does it tie to uh, delivering a better boating experience? That, that's a very good question. And the boating experiences, there are so many different ways to have an experience. People boat for so many different reasons. Um, but at the end of the day, technology empowers a lot of boaters to be able to have the experience that they want to have. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't necessarily always create a better boating experience, just switching to electric. Um, mm-hmm. We've always taken the approach that electric is a way for us to create a better boating experience, but that also requires a lot of technology development past just the use of using electric. So we really try to take a holistic approach to combining the use of electric propulsion and the rest of the system to curate that boating experience. And when we talk about the boating experience um, and how do we make it better, there are different things that people desire. On one hand, one of the great things about electric in our systems are obviously no tailpipe emissions, no fumes. And oftentimes, Mm -hmm. if you start up a boat or you're traveling in front or behind or around a boat, you'll often smell the fumes from the engine, and that just becomes a part of boating. Mm -hmm. Noise is also a factor. It's it's exciting, and it's interesting to be able to be cruising at 30 knots on a boat and be able to have a very quiet, normal conversation, and all you really hear is the wind and the water. Um, That's a really cool part of the experience. Then you start to get into some of the, you know, the operational parts of the experience. Of course, people joke about boat, you know, it's a hole in the water you throw money into. And, you know, we all do that because we love boating. But at the end of the day, gas is always more expensive when you're out on the water. Um, Fueling up can be a hassle. You know, there are many times up on Lake George where we looked at the fuel tank, said, oh, we need to go get gas. And now it's a 10 minute trip to the gas station you wait online for an hour to get gas. You sit there and pump for 10, 15 minutes, and then you go back out and you just burned a significant amount of time. So one of the things that electric offers is the ability to most of the time fill up or charge wherever you keep your boat. So the wave we've been boating recently with the electric boats is whenever we pull into the dock slip, we plug it right into the power pedestal or outlet Mm -hmm. that's right there. And every time we want to go out, we start with a full charge, and that's more than enough for a full day of boating. Is that right? Wow. Yes, and it, it it's exciting. And I can tell you there was one time where it was about 5.30, 
p.m. This was a couple summers ago. And I wanted to go on the jet ski with a friend. Uh, we had a jet ski in upstate New York. Mm-hmm. And there wasn't enough gas to take the jet ski out. And the gas station had closed. And so there the oh, boat man. was sitting at the dock next to an outlet. And I just thought to myself, when we when I have an electric boat one day, this will be so much simpler because it'll just be plugged in and be ready to go whenever I want to use it. So it's all of these things that kind of contribute to the ability of creating a better boating experience. Have you guys looked at, I don't know if you had to pull this information together as you were building your Series A deck, but did you look at the marine industry's effect on climate and the amount of energy it uses from a gas perspective and emissions? Any any data or insights you can share with our listeners on that? Absolutely. And it's, it's interesting because mm-hmm. I think there's obviously the global shipping industry, and that's right. very, very well documented in yeah. terms of the climate effect. When you start looking at smaller boats and recreational and small commercial boats, that is not as well documented. It's there. I've seen figures um, that say anywhere from as high as 95% of boats are refilled uh, on from gas stations for automobiles which makes it very difficult to actually figure out how much CO2 is being created by recreational pleasure craft if it's tough to track the gasoline. I but we, we've estimated that you know at least probably somewhere in the neighborhood of two to four billion gallons are used for recreational boats every year. Um, and that, that equates to the, anywhere from 30 to 100 megatons of CO2 emissions. So not necessarily gigaton level, but it's still significant on the megaton side of things. Got it. Further than that, though, our outboard engines don't have catalytic converters, hmm. which were required in cars you know, 40 years ago. And catalytic mm-hmm. converters essentially help trap the particulate matter, the NOx, the SOx, um, PM 2.5, a lot of the things that are cancer causing and also have higher global warming potentials than carbon dioxide. So one boat, taking one boat off the water, translating one boat to electric, can almost be the equivalent of 150 cars as far as that particulate matter emissions. That's fascinating. I didn't know that. It's a lot, and it's surprising as well. And so for us, it's we try to spend time quantifying that um, those potential savings and those benefits. And there's the macro scale and then there's the micro scale. I mean, mm-hmm. I picked up a brochure today at a local marina that said, you know, educate yourself about carbon monoxide poisoning because this is something that's real that happens on boats where boats release carbon monoxide. And unfortunately, every year, you know, there are always articles about people who die or have poisoning from inhaling that carbon monoxide, not realizing it, and then drowning. And wow. people go boating to you know spend time with their family to enjoy the water and just to think that that's a possibility and that happens is is horrifying so that's just another kind of pollution aspect where with the electric systems that's something that we don't have to worry about you know we're providing a safer alternative there a few more questions my friends own boats so one of one of your investors is my friends i know he owns <laughs> a couple of boats, boats. <laughs> <laughs> i don't own them because of this phrase in the industry that, well, number one, I'm, I'm really bad on the water. Like I, I, I puke my guts out 
you know, within a minute <laughs> oh, no. on a boat. So I tend to go on my friend's boats and they're always t- talking about boat really meaning bust out another thousand because of all these endless repairs you need to do, right? You're constantly maintaining a boat and, and keeping up, up to date. In addition to the positive environmental impacts that a switching to an electric outboard motor would bring to the environment, does it also make it easier to maintain these things? It definitely can. And the way we've designed it, it does. And so we've truly started with a blank slate. We don't use any legacy combustion outboard components. Mm. And that's allowed us to really reimagine how we picture uh, and design an electric outboard. And so many of the design decisions were around eliminating points of failure and points of fatigue. So where typically, you know, on a gas engine, you might do a service after the first 20 hours of buying it and then regular service intervals of 50 or 100 hours. And then every winter, especially if you're in the northern climates, every winter you have to winterize your engine. And that's that's more more things to do and more things to go wrong. For us, we've eliminated so many moving components. We have so many more solid state components. We've developed a different type of cooling system that's closed loop, which also reduces maintenance and wear and tear. And so the results for our systems are really, you know, at least five years of absolute no maintenance guarantee where you do not have to worry about anything. You don't have to pay somebody to at the end of the season to winterize it. You don't have to pay someone at the beginning of the season to get it operating again. So really trying to break down those barriers for boaters. As you're putting the business together, I'm sure you're going to be thinking a lot about, you know, everything about the product, making it work really well. Also thinking about what it's like when the consumer finally has the, the, uh, the motor. Um, There's a product strategy course I took earlier this year, and they talk about uh, three key core concepts, I guess. One is like, you know, the product, the augmented product, and then the core product, right? And the difference between the three uh, definitions is your sort of, your actual product, which is the first one, is just what it is. You know, in this case, it's a motor that that that, that runs the boat, right? It's an, it's an outboard motor. Everybody can see that. That's what it is. The augmented product is sort of all of the uh, additional ancillary service experiences that you have around the product. By example, you have your iPhone, but then the that's your actual product. It's a phone, it's a smartphone, but what makes it augmented is it has all of these other services around it, the app store, the Apple care service. Uh, on the plane, you buy an airline seat, that's the actual product, um, but extra leg room is the augmented product. And then the third category is the core product. Like that's the fundamental reason why one is buying the product or the fundamental problem you solve, right? So if you look at those three ways of looking at the product, right? So Flux Marine, could you answer for me what your augmented product is and what your core product is? If you, have, if you, if you think about it for a second. Yeah. And so in terms of augmented product, mm-hmm. um, there's a fundamentally an outboard motor is pushes a boat, right? That's, that's the goal of it. But in terms of starting to augment it and adding features to it, um, there's a lot that we're, we can do and a lot that we have been doing. So for one, there are different drive modes almost 
So depending on how you want to go boating, you can select a drive mode, performance, uh, leisure, troll, ski, wakeboard. And these drive modes essentially operate and enhance the user experience. Then there are things like increased battery size and increased motor size, which essentially augment the core product a little bit. Then depending on how you use it, especially for example, customers who have fleets and want to do fleet management or rental fleets. Now they can essentially access a fleet management dashboard to see more than just, you know, where the boats are. They can see what the boats are doing, how fast they're going, the state of health. And so it really opens up a lot of opportunity for IOT and connectivity within the marine space. Okay. Let's talk about other products, right? What you're effectively doing is you're greening a end user or consumer product like a boat or a boat motor, right? A boat engine. And that's helping to contribute to the clean energy transition. What do you see as the biggest opportunities beyond boating? As you've thought about this, what are the places should we try to do what you're doing, what Flux Marine is doing? Yeah, I, I think an interesting thing that I've heard before and that has resonated with me is mm -hmm. focusing on the megaton level issues. So we, we see a lot of people and a lot of big, huge funds focused on reducing gigaton level emissions. And, you know, for reference, I, I think a gigaton, that's more than the entire CO2 output of the entire United States and everything that goes on inside it. And so... When everyone's focused on the gigaton level issues, I think a lot of the megaton level issues are missed out. And so I think we need to kind of continue to identify the megaton level issues and continue to find and fund entrepreneurs that are building solutions for the megaton issues. Because if we have thousands of people solving megaton problems, we quickly reach gigaton scale. And so that's everything. That's, you know, the electrify everything motto of boats, planes, trains, cars, you know, lawn equipment, you know, anything where emissions are being used, I yeah. think is a great yeah. opportunity for electrification. And yeah. some, some people talk about, well, if everything went electric tomorrow, we couldn't sustain that on the grid. And I understand that argument, but if as consumers we're able to, demonstrate a want and a need for electric end use products, it's not going to happen overnight. But as that continues to trend upwards, the grid and renewable energy sources will also continue to trend upwards. And so that's why I think it's so important to focus on those megaton technology solutions and really focus on electrifying as many things as possible. I love that. Yeah, I think I, I would agree with the concept that if you, um, you know, lots of little improvements can add up to very large giga level improvements. And um, that's mm -hmm. a very good point. We, 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 we try to focus mostly because we're trying to hit that goal made by the uh, climatologists and so forth. But I think that the uh, there's different ways you can accomplish that. And I, I, I love I love that perspective. Exactly. Thank you. I want to ask you about how your experience uh, to date has shaped your perspective on renewable energy. And I think you've touched on that just now with your comments to my question. Any other ideas, thoughts about renewable energy that are sparking from your 
experience as an entrepreneur? I think there are a lot of pushes and pulls for renewable energy. And I think there's a very intriguing ecosystem in terms of what dictates which technologies make it mainstream. Mm-hmm. And everybody has their own role within mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. those that ecosystem. And mm-hmm. so some people ask me, you know, well, what's your number one pitch for selling outboards, um, electric outboards? And the answer is not sustainability or an environmentally friendly product because mm-hmm. people generally do not want to compromise performance and comfort for sustainability. Right. So, and I see both sides of the equation because I grew up boating. I, I love the exciting parts about boating. I don't really want to get a slow boat that's electric, but I also don't want to use something that's not sustainable. Right. And so quickly this feeling of responsibility falls into the hands of a lot of the innovators of the world. How do we take clean technologies and how do we transform them and package them into something that provides a superior solution to the consumer? So my, my goal as an innovator is not to provide a sustainable option for a consumer. My goal is to ensure that I can create the best option that is sustainable so the consumer doesn't even have to make a choice of hmm. do I pick sustainable or unsustainable? And it's that interplay and that power that's in the hands of the innovators that will help drive the consumer decisions. And then as consumer decisions are driven and everyone moves towards the use of sustainable, sustainable products, then the whole kind of other side, the grid and the power generation side is essentially forced to follow. Right. I get, I get what you're saying. So if I play that back, which I, which I love, you know, the, the, the challenge with getting consumers excited about tr- the transition to electric products is, is if they feel like they're, they're losing something in the process, right? People have an aversion to loss. Like if, if, if it's an inferior product, <laughs> mm-hmm. they might as well stay with their, with their fossil fuel based product. But if they get a better product and presumably for about the same price or, you know, slightly more they'd be more inclined to go get that better product and the sustainability aspect of it is actually, you know, irrelevant to some extent. It's just, it's just so much better, you know? I mean, I've seen exactly. a lot of people shift to Tesla cars and other types of electric vehicles because they're like, wow, this thing is like really, really, it's just a, this is a really nice car, <laughs> you know, compared to <laughs> what, uh, what else is out there in the legacy fuel, uh, powered, uh, vehicles. Um, uh, I love that. So Flux Marine is a is a clean tech company now. You're in the marine business, but you're also clean tech. Two things. Do you see other competitors entering the space uh, alongside of you and going after this market? Is it a very big market? And two, what advice would you give for other entrepreneurs sort of jumping into the clean tech space? So as far as you know, other competitors jumping into the electric marine space, Absolutely. Um, there are a lot of companies popping up. There are some companies that have been around for a while, set some trends, mm-hmm. and it's definitely a large market. It is without a doubt a large market, and I don't necessarily see this market as one clear winner and everyone else loses. I think there are going to be a handful of companies that are able to make a tremendous impact in the space. And I also think there are a lot of companies that will be super successful on the niche side of things. Right. You know, there are so many different types of boats and boating applications 
that there truly is no such thing as a one size fits all. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm often encouraged as I see some of these other companies get to market, get funding, do technology demonstrations, because I know it's going to take more than just Flux Marine to electrify yeah. the marine industry. Ben, we're going to shift to our lightning round section here where I just throw a, a few sort of a handful of questions uh, at you. What's your best boating memory? Probably the first time we got one of the Flux Marine prototypes up and going at above 25 miles an hour. And wow. I sat there and I could talk and there was no roar of an outboard engine and we were right next to it. And that was almost life-changing having grown up on the water, grown up boating. This was an entirely new experience. What's your prediction for the next year? We're in spring of 2022 recording this. What, what would you love to see come true uh, later this year in 2022? Anything? Um, definitely would love to see a lot of flux marine motors out on the water in the hands of happy customers. In Lake George, that'd be great. In Lake George, we, we do have some customers up there, so that'll come full circle. We have all over the East Coast right now, so I'm excited to see them out there. Fantastic. Uh, last question. What's your one-line response when you hear the word crypto? Super interesting, a lot of challenges, and a lot of opportunities. Ben, thanks so much for taking the time to introduce us to your new venture, Flux Marine, focusing on electrifying the marine industry. I wish you the very best. Uh, my friend. It's going to be a fantastic journey and super exciting. I can't wait to get on a boat that's powered by your your outboard motor. Thank you, John. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk about Flux Marine and you know the greater pictures around sustainability. I'd say definitely we'll have to get you up to Rhode Island to test out one of the Flux Marine boats. And I can say that it looks like our mutual friend, one of his much larger boats, will have a Flux Marine boat on top of it at some point. All right. That's fantastic. Thanks so much, Ben, and to be continued. Thank you, John. You can find more information on what you heard today in our show notes. To learn more about Saluna and our innovative projects, visit our website at salunacomputing.com or visit our blog, Clean Integration on Medium. To join our growing community, connect with us on LinkedIn by searching for Saluna and following our company page or tag us on Twitter. We're at Saluna Holdings. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Thank you for listening to Clean Integration, a Saluna podcast. And remember, computing is a better battery.